Hello, and welcome to the Booksmarts podcast, where we talk about publishing data and technologies and send you away with some insights that will help you sell more books. I'm your host, Joshua Talent. So this week on the Booksmarts podcast, I'm talking with Tom Richardson from BookNet Canada. Tom, thanks for joining me. Hi, pleasure to be here. So let's start off a little bit by actually talking about what BookNet Canada is uh, and what your role is in the organization. Well, uh, BookNet Canada would be comparable to um, uh, BISG or BIC in the, the UK. Uh, we're a, uh, a standards organization that uh, represents the, you know, the, the Onyx National Group for Canada or the Thema National Group for Canada. Uh, so we're heavily into standards. Uh, we're more known for there are sales data aggregation, which is basically um, your um, your book data we do for Canada as uh, as a thing. So that that's our primary product as a thing. Uh, Booknet Canada is a not for profit, um, so we are um, not like sort of Nielsen or other commercial companies doing the sort of thing we're doing it. Uh, as a service to the industry, but it's also our major generator of revenue. So unlike, say, BISG, which is just a membership-driven organization and reliant on its things, we actually have some income from some of our stuff uh, that you know gives us more flexibility. And we, you know, there is also government funding in Canada. So we're kind of quite a different organization. Uh, so we're going, we're involved in um, several different things that in general support these general concepts. Uh, so, so beyond sales data, like our, our one of our primary product and a fabulous, fabulous tool for everyone, uh, we aggregate Onyx metadata, which we use to sort of like come um, look at what we're doing, in what's happening in the marketplace. So we get quite a lot of U.S. data. Uh, we have over four million records. It's not an insignificant amount. A lot more two point one data than three point zero still. Um, and that's kind of a problem that I think other companies also have, but we're also having trouble um, with our 3.0 to some degree. I mean, I am sympathetic to companies who say they have difficulty because it, it's odd the way that we've been able to load 3.0 data for over a decade, and yet we still have problem aggregating it. Don't ask me why. Anyway, um, so we are sympathetic to people in the industry who have problems. I mean, we engage in these types of activities in parts so that we understand better. Uh, the BiblioShare data is also used um, to um, to underline one of our other main products, which is Catalyst, uh, our e-catalog system. Your your Adavise is our Catalyst, uh, which is used heavily in the Canadian industry. Um, again, it's it's a good solid rendition of that type of thing, uh, and that's basically it. I, I'm heavily the uh, I'm the standards person, so. Uh, and the Onyx subject specialist. So you can always count on me to, I've drunken the editor Kool-Aid and deeply and spouted off at a moment's notice, which is what I'm planning to do today. We're planning to do today, yeah. So Tom and I get to nerd out about Onyx every once in a while. It's really good to to have an expert on the show uh, to talk about some of the issues that we're running into uh, with Onyx. Um, I think I might actually come back to the whole 2.1 and 3.0 question later, but I really I do want to talk to you today about a topic that you've brought up, which is regarding how Onyx handles sales rights and markets and how that can be 
problematic in other countries, especially English language countries necessarily, uh, especially thinking about it from a Canadian perspective. So talk to me a little bit about and to our to our listeners about kind of what what the, what are the best practices here? What are the, what are the issues here that you're seeing with how sales rights and marketing uh, market data is being delivered? Well, um, fundamentally, there is a uh, long going, it started with 2.1 and it's continued today where uh, systematically most companies, well, not most companies, it's, there's quite a variation, I mean, to say most companies, but a lot of companies, a substantial uh, grouping of countries. If you put it in BiblioShare terms, I mean, if I look at our 3.0 data, 10% of the data might be doing some of this more or less right. And that does mean that approximately 90% of the data is simply not doing it right. I mean, mm -hmm. so that okay. So what I'm I'm describing something that's real, but I'm no by no means describing every company. I'm by no means saying everyone's wrong. I'm just simply saying is if like you look at England uh, data from England, you look at data from Australia, you look at data from the US, you look at data from Canada too. We all are doing some portions of this. And that is that um well i'll just give give you an example i was um, i was having a uh, a meeting recently uh part of a regular meetings we have with like a, a major us uh, data aggregator um who is describing their process where uh they have problems um when we're talking with each other this is you know this is an out of market thing they they uh they handle the canadian market data for for some things and that's what we were interested in getting from them now if people give them data without a Canadian currency or with a Canadian currency, it causes problems in the system. That means that they are using a currency code as a proxy for a market statement. Hmm. That's something of a problem. Uh, I can see that type of thing coming up in BiblioShare quite a lot because, say, a U.S. company will uh, be giving us data, and that's all grant, and then the you know their distributor they drop the company or the company shifts distribution, um, and they don't drop the um, the Canadian currency from their feed because that's no company does. I mean, if you take a big Canadian distributor in the reverse situation where they have a lose a US client, they don't drop the US currency either. Mm -hmm. But if you're using currency as a proxy, um, then that means that they continue to send that data to Canada because that's how their system's set up. They don't drop the data, so that but they continue to send it. So now we have data overriding other companies' data and you you control for it. You do what you have to do. But it's a proxy statement. They're not doing the data properly. The other place where it really shows up is in sales rights. Now, editor, bless their souls, has designated the sales rights as being a statement for the publisher's rights. And I don't think people sort of like have ever understood it. I, I'm experimenting with like a, a slight variation on, on their explanation where they, they like to talk about exploiting it, the data, uh, the publishers exploit, exploiting of the data. And I think that the better way of saying, saying it may be that um, copyright holders as a general rule of thumb, approach a publisher and make a deal with them. And then the publisher engages in a series of business transactions and sales rights is the territorial expression of those sales rights mm -hmm. that they have exploited. So that's what editor means. They means what the publisher is doing to create uh, a territory for where they actually handle this ISP. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't reference the, the actual uh, contracts. It represents their contracts with other people. Now, their contracts with other people should properly appear in the product supply statement. 
I'm speaking entirely in three-point old tongue at the mm -hmm. moment. Uh, so property should appear in the product supply statement, and it should be assigned a market area. It's dead simple. Most companies who are misusing sales rights in most markets, in the English language markets that are misusing it, if they simply mapped their statement from sales rights and put it down into the market section and provide it as a market statement, would be doing edit what editors always wanted. And what editors always wanted is, is like say the global publication date. Remember the global publication date, the section four publication date is supposed to be a global publication date. It's not supposed to be a market date. It's supposed to be the global date. Similarly, the st global status date, the 04 the, in the publishing section is supposed to be a global status date. It represents the originating publisher's intention for this book. And if everybody handled it that way, people in other markets would have a lot easier time matching data because the data would all be coming in from whatever source it came from all the same way. Now, and then the market statements would be coming into the market area where there is the ability to provide market by market a publication date, a publisher status, and all these other things. So we could, instead of supplying a data in the global publication date section and, and all that, we'd be providing a market statement. Now, people have a real problem with this whole concept that maybe we could just do something differently, but the it would solve a whole lot of problems. I mean, Canadian publishers, guess what? We're a separate market. We will probably have separate dates for a large number of products. Hmm. US, US distributors don't, who may be shipping back into Canada, that type of thing, simply don't recognize the Canadian publication, Canadian dates and stuff like this. And it causes some small friction in terms of like the what's going on. Uh, here. And it, that's just kind of like an irritant um, on, on most things. It's not that serious because in some ways the Canadian market is not so separate mm -hmm. from the US market that these are huge differences in dates and things like this. If you move over to Australia, you move over to like the UK, you move over to like, like more distances where there's actual shipping times involved, it gets a bit sillier. Mm -hmm. And you can see this all the time in the U.S. data that comes up to us that came from the U.K. All the dates are all kind of buggery. The, um, the whole thing is not necessarily handled properly. And it would all be solved quite nicely by simply the U.S. market attaching a market statement, a product supply statement for the U.S. market, maybe a separate one for Canada. It would, these things would probably simplify things. Yeah. Um, it's fairly common for, um, uh, I mean, I, I'm going to speak more to the U.S. market now because we get way more U U.S. market data than anything else. But we, we, there, there are large distributors in in the uh, in the U.S. who will label everything as being uh, non-exclusive sales rights. Mm. No, nope. you're an expert in Onyx. I know this. You tell me what non-exclusive sales rights are. It means you're not the only person that can sell them. Anybody else could right. sell it too. Right. So you, you, you're you shipping up data to, to a foreign market where you're saying, I you know, like non-exclusive rights and you're providing a single product supply statement. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't help, doesn't help me. But what will then happen if they say drop the Canadian market from it, the sole marker in my data will be that the CA in the sales rights gets dropped. 
and they just they continue to carry Canadian price, and they just drop the you know the CA from it, as if that's supposed to mean something. I have an incoherent sales rights statement to begin with that someone drops a CA, and I'm supposed to program for that. I yeah. don't know how to program for that. I mean, I can't create good data from that. Right. Um, nor can other retailers here, and it causes problems. And quite frankly, it's quite clear to me that they intentionally are using the most ambiguous form of the data that they can in order to create a kind of slurryish effect of maybe they have rights, maybe they don't, maybe they might get some sales, a little this, a little that, when there may be a Canadian rights holder who you know has legitimate rights to. It's just sloppy. It's yeah. just crappy things. Now, the optimistic side to all this, I've made my complaint six. If, if we simply handled the data properly, what's the one thing that we know about metadata that actually makes a difference for sales? Accurate metadata will sell books. Do we not? We can agree on that point. 100%. So, did you know that if you go to another market, there will be people in that market with spreadsheets? That will probably have reasonably accurate information for their market for the books that are coming in from out of market. Go figure. They're called sales forces. They are the branch plants of you know multinational companies. There are all sorts of people who would have this data. You know that they would actually have a representation of that data. It's actually very easy to make a flat follow to that data because generally speaking, that type of data is relatively simple. It's not a big problem to do. So you could have this stuff in spreadsheets and you could be done. Now, how hard would it be to take that material and map it to a block six mm -hmm. where you're just doing the simple basic metadata and things like that? So all these companies with centralized data who can't handle, can't possibly handle an extra code or doing something differently or otherwise, you know, if you just let the people out of market handle their own block six, this this would be genuine development work. I'm yeah. not, it's not like saying just take your sales rates and map it down. You'd actually would have to change things, but it's not difficult to do because editors actually design the entire thing to enable you to do this. You could take the block six, let the in-market people do it. They could ship it back to you. They could maybe distribute their onyx, maybe they just take the ID section from, from the top of the thing, take it to the block six and send it over to the retailer who uses it instead of your block six information. You could set up the entire thing so that you took more accurate information and applied it market by market yeah. instead of like doing all this approximation stuff. Yeah. It, it wouldn't cost that much to do and would be the one thing you could possibly do that might actually guarantee you better sales. That makes sense. As opposed to like a whole lot of other things you could do. And that's it. That's my, that's my grump. I'm finished. Now. <laughs> that's a good grump to have. I mean, you're, I think you're uh, again, hundred percent right that uh, these things affect sales, right? They, the, the messy data makes it harder for uh, organizations like you who are trying to send that data properly into the Canadian market to do a better job of that if you don't know how to you know if you don't know if it's valid or not how do you how do you know what to do with it yeah. i mean it, it's um something that i mean I, we're working on the best practice bisg is redoing its best practices and i'm you know, we're talking about getting a, a statement into it more or less asking people to start 
doing this for those reasons and that's yeah. so just taking the opportunity to maybe promote that i'm not sure if it's going to make it in because what will happen is it will go in front of the bisg metadata committee and people would have to agree to it and that this opens up some really interesting questions like i think in general you would say in any say for any standard it is a best practice to follow the standard yeah and I will be the first person to admit that because of the complexity of Onyx, that I don't believe that you can say it's as simple as like an ISBN where, mm -hmm. you know, there is a right way to handle an ISBN and a wrong way to do it. And people do abuse ISBNs all the time. But, you know, like Onyx is pretty complicated and has a lot of moving parts. Uh, I don't think you can quite make the same level of 100% there is just one best practice. But in this case, where it is a primary tool that they have communication and they have designated sales rights to be one thing and a market to be another thing. Sales rights is not a market statement for most data. I mean, it yeah. just isn't. It's not, that isn't how Onyx is designed. So you can't really at some point deny that Onyx as a standard should have best practice principles applied to it. And that would be that you should follow their definition for you know, say book status, publisher status, that type of thing you don't yeah. use your code list you map your code list to their code list and then the people at the other end map it out and that's how you make your communication work yeah. you can't do the sales rights pretending that well sales rights are something that i own therefore i put my statement in here you have to do what they want you to do which is to provide it in a market statement over here instead of where they want you to provide a publisher statement. I mean, you know, just because they labeled it sales rights doesn't mean you get to abuse it. So it's no more. Yeah. That's um, and I, I, but I don't really think that I, that this is necessarily going to be easily passed because, frankly, most companies in the U.S. when you say this to them, there's a real home market mentality about U.S. data, where the U.S. is the world, the U.S. home market is the world. They don't need to pay attention to that type of stuff. And when you think in home market type thing, you say, well, I own sales rights. I put my sales rights here. You know, it's really not that easy to get a US publisher to acknowledge that anything else is possible. So, sure. and I speak that as a Canadian publisher, because I think quite often people like look at what Booknet Canada does and say, there's a weird thing going on in Canada. Hmm. And there's nothing going on in Canada that's different from what's going on in the US, but we maybe have drunk the editor Kool-Aid more heavily than you get from the in the US market. And we're more willing to question some of things like this. Um, and we have like a major retailer in Canada who complains to us about their inability to get, say, dates properly. Now, they don't complain to US publishers about that because they make arrangements with the publisher to get the information from them and they deal with them source by source. I think that's what they must do. Because whenever I say this to a US publisher, they say they're no complaint to us. And I, you know, but they do complain to BookNet about it. Um, so I do know that, say, dates are kind of a problem. And mm -hmm. not surprisingly, when they set up their system recently to like do things, they mapped mapped it to look for the market date because they figured that's where we'll get the, the accurate metadata. I mean, there is a need when you go to other markets for mm -hmm. this data and there are retailers in those markets looking for it. So, yeah. 
Well, it's again, I just went back to my rent. Did you okay. see how easily I do this? <laughs> it's so easy to go back to it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a well-made point. And I think, uh, you know, in general, those of us who care about standards and care about the, the future of the book industry and, and how sales are being handled and how, how you can make more money with your books, we need to be thinking about these things. You know, uh, I think you made a really interesting point earlier, a really important point to remember. Onyx is a very complex standard. Um, and, by nature has had variety a variety of interpretations it's it's almost biblical in its interpretive uh capabilities <laughs> but but that doesn't mean that there aren't standards with the that the standard itself isn't clear about certain things um and we can you know if we all come together on you know saying the standard matters and this would help the industry uh then i think best practices can help with that right to be able to say well let's let's put this in the market area where it belongs and and if we uh, if we can kind of push those standards it's what BISG is is uh, is all about too right on um, you and I both yeah. serve on the metadata committee and the whole the whole goal of that metadata committee is to encourage proper and effective use of of metadata and uh, that includes things like this where we're trying to say you know, this would be a better way of doing it it's a more it's the more appropriate way to do it uh, but it's also more effective uh, in the end for for those people who need that data so it's it's not a bad rent to have. I think it's a it's a good conversation to have for sure. There are definitely there's at least one software manufacturer that I know um, who does iconic software who would take the interpretive side of it over mm -hmm. the standard side of it. I mean, there's another software supplier who I believe understands that the standard comes first. So I mean, there's a wide variety even in Canada on this. Yeah. Um, although I think you know Booknet because um, has had good headway in getting Canadian publishers, which unfortunately do only represent a small portion of even our own market, um, doing it better. And that's partially because small Canadian publishers have a tendency of caring about other markets and have a need to like communicate to them. So they, you know, yeah. and I think you find this in the US. I mean, there are US companies who have built data to go to other markets and have found the need to start expressing it. So yeah. Um, it's just getting publishers working in their home market mentality to start doing it as if the U.S. is a market is, I think, a hard nut to get people to get their wrap their heads around. Yeah, that's good. So, Tom, uh, if if people want to rant back or they would like to uh, to uh, hear more about your own rants on this and other topics, uh, where can people follow you online and uh, and communicate with you? Um. The best thing to do would be uh, BookNet Canada has uh, an e-news section, and uh, we regularly are doing blogs and things like this. I mean, you could find this entire rant as a blog post from two years ago or a 2022 blog post. Is Canada a market? Um, if you wanted to do that, it even has spreadsheets attached to it of, of you know data pulled from BiblioShare. It was a wonderful piece. That's great. Yeah, um, we'll so, link to that in the in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, I don't really, uh, I'm not much on um, LinkedIn or um, other you know, social media type things. And We'll keep you anonymous then. <laughs> Just <laughs> tell people, come to, come to the metadata committee meetings for BISG, and then you can have a great conversation with Tom about these and other amazing topics. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Tom. I really appreciate your time. And it's a great rant. And I think I appreciate you bringing it up because it is, you know, uh, like we said, it's, uh, it's important to follow standards and to have standards. That's what they're for. And for us to communicate better with each other, you know, what we're selling and where we're selling it and how we're selling it. So uh, this okay. is an important topic. So pre appreciate you coming on the show. Great. Thanks very much. 
Well, that's it for this week on the Booksmarts podcast. If you uh, like what you've heard, we really appreciate it if you would give us a review, a rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, and tell your colleagues, uh, let them hear the rants and the conversations as well. Uh, we really appreciate you sharing the the podcast with other people. Uh, if you have questions, you can reach uh, to reach me at joshua at firebrandtech.com. Uh, thank you for joining us and getting smarter about your books. Mm-hmm.